Pastor Xavier Reese with a challenge for the ones secure in their hope, or merely hope they are secure. Then the king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling? He was relishing in his glory by my mighty power and for my honor of my majesty. And the voice speaks from heaven, and he hears it. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Everyone loves a good rags-to-riches story. However, the account before us today is really much more like a palace-to-pasture tragedy. Fortunately for the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, his misfortune made a timely turn onto a path of salvation before the final chapter was written. Pastor Xavier chronicles the sordid details in today's Simple Truth study from Daniel chapter 4 titled, The Testimony of Nebuchadnezzar. The number of men and women whose lives once were a shame, not only to their creator, but to their own selves, is beyond measure. All you have to do is to look to the history of mankind. But take John Newton, a slave trader, who lived a debauched and wasteful life until the Lord saved him. Uh, John Newton wrote the hymn, as you know, Amazing Grace. And as he thought upon the words, it says, By the grace of God I am what I am. He said, I am not what I wish to be, though I am not what I ought to be. I can truly say that I'm not what I once was, a slave to sin and Satan. I can hardly say with Paul, by the grace of God, I am what I am. If you know the song Amazing Grace, who saved a wretch like me who once was lost, but now I'm found, who once was blind, but now I see. Your own pastor is a testimony to that. I used to have two eyes, and I came to know the Lord through an accident where the Kung Fu studio and the stick broke and punctured my right eye, and my eye deflated right in my hand. And it was through that that I came to the Lord. I used to have two eyes. I was blind. I have one, and now I can see. God is so good, amazingly good. What he does, he does so for our good, not for our evil. What we have here is the amazing testimony of um, King Nebuchadnezzar's salvation, and it's characterized by three things. But let me read the text, and then we'll... Go through it. Verse 1 through 3, it says, Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion is from generation to generation. Then Nebuchadnezzar goes into his rest and the dream and the interpretation. We'll pick up in verse 28. He says, All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar, meaning the dream and the interpretation. At the end of the twelfth month, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. And the king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power? And for the honor of my majesty, while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, 
To you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till this, uh, his hair had grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like birds' claws. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever." For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. And the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles restored to me. I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heavens of all who works our truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. The amazing testimony of King Nebuchadnezzar's salvation is characterized by the proclamation of Nebuchadnezzar about God, verse 1 through 3. Secondly, the humiliation of Nebuchadnezzar by God, in verse 28 to 33. And thirdly, the restoration of Nebuchadnezzar by God, in verse 34 to 37. The proclamation of Nebuchadnezzar about God comes first. It is an incredible proclamation. Notice in verse 1, it's the introductory salutation and greeting to those he's writing. The person speaking is the most powerful person in the world, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. He had been given the kingdom, power, strength, and glory by God. Chapter 2, verse 27. The first world empire to begin the times of the Gentiles in chapter 2, verse 38. Now notice the people addressed are those of his kingdom, to all peoples, all his countrymen, all the people under his control and rule. To all nations, those who he had conquered and were subject to him. Assyria, Egypt, Syria, all of Jordan, Moab, Edom, and all the rest. All the way down to Africa. God was a bad dude. He's king. Nobody above him. To all languages that dwell in all the earth, indicating the vastness of his kingdom, now, the personal greeting is new. Notice, he's wishing peace, shalom. That means welfare, prosperity in the Hebrew, here now in Aramaic, but the equivalent. Now, the desire of the king was that this state of wholeness of life would be multiplied to those people who he addressed. Now, this sounds like someone other than King Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> this is new. This doesn't sound like the old Nebuchadnezzar who... Um, slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and then gouged them out and took them to Babylon. This doesn't sound like the Nebuchadnezzar who commanded all the wise men to be slain when they couldn't give the dream or the interpretation. Something's different. The king makes this record known to everybody. 
The entire chapter is in the first person, autobiographical, with the exception of one section in the third person, revealing how God humbled him, verse 28 to 33. Now the king desired notice to inform everyone about how God, the God of the Jews, had dealt with him. That's what verse 2 says. He wanted them to know about the signs, the miraculous works God had worked for him. He wanted them to know about the wonders, the response and the amazement at the works of Yahweh. The title the king uses is the Most High God, the one who is supreme ruler of the world. Something's changed here. There's a different perspective. Now, he's already acknowledged it at the end of chapter 1 and the end of chapter 2 intellectually, but there's different now. Now look at verse 3. The incomparable reputation of the Most High God is the focus here. First, how great, extraordinary, and powerful were his signs or miracles. He had been revealed the interpretation of his dream in chapter 2 through Daniel. Now he's reflecting back. He can see it clearly. When you're not saved and you're getting all this stuff, you you say, well, that's just coincidence or it's just good or whatever. But when you're saved, you look back, everything's clear. Okay? God had rescued the three young Jews from the midst of the burning furnace in chapter 3. He had attributed to one of the deities. Now he knows that it was God. And now removing him from his throne and humiliating him to live as an animal for seven years. Another sign, another amazing wonder that caused him to get attention. This is testimony, ladies and gentlemen. Notice, secondly, how mighty his wonders, meaning impacting the response of people, not only to Nebuchadnezzar, but to those who God has made himself known. Signs is a miracle. The wonder is the response to that miracle. God had given favor to Daniel before the chief of the eunuchs in chapter 1, verse 9. Now it's very clear to him that God had prepared these men. God had given knowledge and skill and the literature of wisdom and all the learning for the four young men. But the Daniel had given understanding all visions and dreams in chapter 1, verse 17. Now it's very clear to Nebuchadnezzar. God allowed the four young men to be found ten times better in his realm. All of it in that three-year preparation of the magicians, astrologers, soothsayers, wise men. Chapter 1, verse 20. Now it's clear to him. What a difference it makes once you're born again, you can connect the dots. Prior to being born again, you just see big dots. Notice thirdly the preeminence of God's kingdom and authority. Also, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, forever perpetual. Now it's not all about Neb. You see, we're going to see a difference here. His dominion is absolutely his alone. The word dominion means absolute sovereign authority from generation to generation. It never changes. Kings on earth change, but the king in heaven never changes. He's always on the throne. I think of uh, Chuck Colson. Some of you uh, may not know about him or anything. He's back in time of Watergate and a terrible time in our nation. And yet he went to jail and he got converted, got saved. And God used him tremendously. A great prison ministry. It's even in existence today. Men of high rank, 
men who were known to be corrupt, to be in the upper echelons, and God used his life. Some believe um, these opening verses are no indication of Nebuchadnezzar's conversion or being saved at this point. They believe that he's not converted until the end of the chapter, and that's how they see it. They point to the fact that in verse 8 there, Nebuchadnezzar refers to Daniel by his pagan name, Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. But they ignore that the entire section that follows the salutation is his testimony being autobiographical, recounting how he came to know the God of Israel. The proclamation is being spoken to all his subjects, as we've seen, that would know Daniel by his pagan name, his political office under the king. He's not writing to Christians. And he's recently born again, so to speak. And so he still has certain vocabulary and mindset. You remember first being born again? You described and said things according to what you had in your mind. You didn't know Christianese yet. Notice the one being exalted is the Most High God, not Nebuchadnezzar or his gods. The kingdom that is forever is God's, not Nebuchadnezzar's. As he has stated in rebellion, setting up the image in chapter 3. Something has changed. Three to four, there's a contrast. There's a drastic change. Now, they failed to recognize the first three verses to be Nebuchadnezzar's propositional declaration, telling them, what he was going to tell them. The what follows is the body and content of the signs and the wonders God worked for him. Verse 4 down to 27. Then he finishes with having coming to know God through his humbling experience, acknowledging him as the true God in verse 28 through 38. Romans 15, 4 says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. What an incredible historical document we have here, not only from the archives, but biblical text, that this man that was so proud, evil, arrogant, man, vicious, came to know God. If that doesn't give you hope, you're hopeless. What an incredible witness to all the subjects of Babylon that their powerful, merciless, reigning king had a change of heart by the living God. He's making this proclamation. He's witnessing for Yahweh, God of the Jews. Now, we're not told any details of the influence of his life, but uh, we know that it had to have been great. We're not told how he conducted himself in the administration of his kingdom, but we know that men and women that come to God live differently. We're not told how many of his subjects came to know God or the number of officials that were influenced and even turned to God. But that's not important at this point. These things are left with God. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but those things which he reveals belong to us and to our children forever, that we might do all the words of his law. Don't worry about what's not recorded. Learn and obey what is recorded. That's the important thing. Proclamation of Nebuchadnezzar about God was to make known God. This is his proclamation in verse 1 and 3. 
He gets the vision through the dream, calls the soothsayers. They can't do it. Daniel comes in. He gives the interpretation, which brings us to verse 28 through 33, the humiliation of Nebuchadnezzar by God. In verse 28 and 29, notice the king was called to repent by God. Don't miss this. This is the heart of the vision. The king did not repent, but became more arrogant towards God. Verse 28 says, and all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. You see, all that was revealed in the dream about his powerful kingdom being removed was symbolized by the tree. And it came to pass and is dwelling with the beast of the field. Verse 14 through 16. He would be restored to his kingdom, though. Verse 19, Daniel was troubled when um, he heard the dream. In 19 says, and Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time. He was just amazed. He just was dumbfounded. And his thoughts troubled him. So this king spoke to him, saying, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, my lord, may the dream concern those who hate, who hate you and its interpretation concerning your enemies. So in other words, your enemy is going to love this interpretation. It's not good for you. Daniel was hesitant to tell him because he's not saved right here. But the first three verses, he's writing, looking back, okay? This is his testimony, all right? It's not in chronological order. It's an Eastern, it's an Eastern book, not a Western book. You get the detail, you get the proclamation, then you get the details that gets fitted back in, and that's how it is, okay? The king was assured by the angel in verse 26 that he would be restored. Inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and the root of the tree with the brass band around it, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. That's the goal. In verse 27, Daniel counseled the king to turn from his sins. Listen carefully. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous. And your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. So Nebuchadnezzar was a bad dude. He wasn't just. He abused the poor. He committed many things. And, and Daniel here loves him. He cares for him. He's been with him for years. And he calls him to repent. Every person has that responsibility when God opens a door for them to confront people. We cannot shirk back. God help you if you yield to the political correctness of our nauseating nation. You better be a man, a woman of conviction and character. Look at 29 30. The measure of time for Nebuchadnezzar to repent was revealed by God as well as the arrogance of his pride. The timeline is clear. Listen carefully. Verse 29. At the end of 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. So the whole, when he got the dream, the warning, and the interpretation to the time that God drew the line, 12 months. God is the one who knows how long it will take, how long he will give to individuals. And whatever time he chooses never is unjust or favoritism. God deals with you individually. He's old now, enjoying the fruit of his war labors. He's the head of gold, remember. He was enjoying the luxury of all his spoils of war. As I said, he had conquered Assyria, Egypt, Syria, Ammon, Moab, Edom, and on down. Verse 4 told us, and he was arrested in his house and flourishing in his palace. The narcissistic sense of Nebuchadnezzar's own greatness gripped him with pride. 
Look at verse 30. He was complimenting himself as he admired the great kingly city of Babylon. You can just see him strutting through the halls, yucking at everything. He says, then the king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling? He was relishing in his glory by my mighty power and for my honor of my majesty. Both questions are rhetorical, expecting only one answer. Yes! Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall, Proverbs 16, 18 says. As you know, the city was incredible. Its walls were 60 miles around, 15 miles on each side, 300 feet high, 18 feet thick, 35 feet down so no one could dig under them. Every brick had Nebuchadnezzar's name stamped on it. It had one mile of clear space between the city and the wall all the way around. The wall was protected with a white deep mold, canals filled with water. 250 towers on the wall, guard rooms for the soldiers, 100 gates of brass. The city was divided by the Euphrates River almost in half. It came through the city. Greatest resource, water. Nobody can isolate you in case of war. Guarded with brick walls, 25 gates connecting streets, ferry boats. city had bridges on a stone pier one mile long, 30 feet wide, with drawbridges which were removed at night. And they also had a tunnel under the river, 15 feet wide, 12 feet high. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon, seventh wonder of the world. And he's just old, he's looking, he's just amazed, he's just going, man, I'm good. The king was castigated for his rebellion against God. Look at 30 through 33. The verdict of judgment came from the divine throne. Even though he was in the security and luxury of his royal palace worshiping himself. In verse 31, it says, While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. Now, he got the dream, didn't know what it was about. Daniel tells him, he knows what God has said. But now the line is drawn and the voice speaks from heaven and he hears it. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. The judgment here was the personal abasement of the king. Look at 32. He would lose his mental capacity having to live with the animals and they shall drive you from men and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. Literally, Nebuchadnezzar had to lose his mind to gain his mind. He would live as and be sustained like the animals. They shall make you eat grass like oxen. He would exist in this state for the set time that God knew he would repent till the king would humble his proud heart before God, acknowledging God as the only divine sovereign over earthly rulers. Look at 32 until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he chooses. This is the lesson that God wants to get across Neb. Well, Pastor Xavier Reese with a testimony, if there ever was one, for God working in mysterious ways from chapter 4 of the book of Daniel today. 
By the way, you can hear this message again online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And we've obviously had to break in only part way through this message. And if your schedule permits you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up your own copy as well. Now, the title you want to ask for is simply The Testimony of Nebuchadnezzar. It's available on CD for just $4. And make sure you pass on this study to a friend in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is The Testimony of Nebuchadnezzar, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com